0: Please join me in a spirit of prayer. Lord God, by your grace, help us join Mary in our worship today. Help us join her in her extravagant adoration, her loving sorrow, her profound awareness of the cost you will pay and the cost of following you. Lord God, help all of us who go out weeping, come back, rejoicing in song. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Back in elementary school, I liked math. <clears throat> math was fun. Each year began with fresh, new workbooks, fragrant with new paper and printer's glue. The teacher passed out wonderful blue on white dittos. We pressed them up to our faces, <laughs> inhaling that inky. Musk. We learned fun mathematics, like Roman numerals. Who knew how helpful that was going to be? <laughs> I can tell you what page I am on in a preface. My favorite unit each year was greater than, lesser than, and equals to. I love those neat little rows of numbers and the horizontal carrot we would have to draw to indicate that 101 was greater than 99. And so on down the page. In future years, the teacher would add greater than or equal to, lesser than or equal to, adding a straight line under that horizontal carrot. What rich concepts they were giving us. Concepts that enchanted my mind and stay with me, greater than and including, greater than and affirming what came greater than and surpassing all in one simple sign. That greater than sign, although not intended in my very secular public school, became for me a favorite symbol for God. I scribble it on notepads, I hold it in my imagination when I need to remember who my God is, a greater love than I could ever imagine, a greater healing than I could ever hope for, a greater goodness than I could ever generate on my own, a greater faithfulness, a greater steadfastness, a greater mercy, a greater hope greater creativity than my cramped heart and mind could ever approach under my own steam. God's ways are greater than my ways. And so I praise God. So I give thanks to God. So I place my trust in God. This greater than of God inspires extravagant praise, superabundant, rhapsodic, excessive, gushing love is the order of the day in both Paul to the Philippians and Mary in the Gospel. And fair warning, if you were raised to be repressed, reticent, reserved, such overflowing might trigger hot shame in your face, some embarrassment or at least some discomfort. But let us let Paul and Mary pull ourselves into adoration, pull ourselves into infatuation. These faithful souls were not ashamed to pour out their souls in love of Jesus. I want to start by rereading Paul's letter to the Philippians as enraptured and rhapsodic rhetoric. We know from his letter to the Romans that he affirms the goodness of the Torah and holds it as precious and not less than the new covenant in Christ. It's just that for Paul, Christ is equal to and more than. He has finally found full participation in the eternal life and goodness of God through his new life in Christ. and For him, this affirms while surpassing affirms while surpassing his former righteousness under the Torah. And this is important for me to spell out because we're offered the same gift as Paul. We're invited into the same rapturous life with God. It's also important to spell out because too many have read St. Paul through a northern European anti-Semitic lens that reads Folks, mistakenly compare, quote, the God of the Old Testament and the God of Jesus, same God. The Torah, the law, is affirmed in the Gospel. And we must watch our tendency to demean it. The Torah is a good gift from God. The God-given instructions and obligations to a priestly people, set apart to live in covenant with a holy God. The Torah marked, and continues to mark to this day, the ultimate allegiance of Israel to God. So marked, Israel represents God among hostile nations at great peril and cost to themselves then and now. Torah fidelity is risky. It's courageous identification with God and I so appreciate the risks it calls out by naming the sacred for what it is. We need to bring a subtle reading to the Gospel of John as well, because I guess it's my day for subtle reasoning. The author of John likes to set up these either-or situations that heighten the drama through conflict. Do we follow Mary or do we follow Judas? I think John's not subtle about that one. He has an ax to grind, an agenda. And he shares this critical fault with social media algorithms that juice up conflict and polarization to maximize attention, regardless of the terrible effects on our common life. And I can even, as I read the story of Jesus passage, oozing with snark about virtue signaling on both sides, oh, isn't Mary so pious, oh, isn't Judas so righteous, all used to throw confusion, antagonism, and agitation around. Sadly enough, John would probably be on social media. It's his style, too. So, permit me to reframe the scene, not as a meme, but as an icon, an icon that includes Jesus, Judas, and Mary as an image of God's loving work. Let's start with Mary. Here's Mary. Her admiration at the feet of Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. This is the first commandment. She embodies the first commandment. Mary is in this icon, the first commandment, and the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Judas plays the part of the second and co-equal commandment. Love of God and love of neighbor. Mary and Judas go together. In Christ, both forms of caritas, both forms of charity, love coexist and support each other. They cannot have their full power without each other. Adore God, serve God and neighbor serve God and neighbor, adore God, it's all one piece. They're not in competition. They're not opposed to each other. But that extravagant adoration of Mary, anointing Jesus with perfume worth a year's worth of wages, takes us deeper into the greater band of this icon that I'm imagining. Mary is preparing Jesus for his death. This icon is not only an illustration of our highest callings, this icon is a prelude to the final showdown, the final battle where Jesus confronts and defeats the powers that prevent our faithful Mary is preparing Jesus for that final conflict that will make faithfulness possible. In her loving sorrow, in her mourning, she's loving him. She knows what comes next for a prophet. She knows that he is marked for death. The authorities have already met. And he must die. Why? because he raised her brother, Lazarus, from the dead. Why? Because challenging the power of death rattles the empire to its core. If we cannot terrorize the masses with death, how will we control it? How will we retain domination? And so, in following Mary, what is revealed is that death, in general, is not the ultimate source of our fear and anxiety. It's when death is used to erode the faith and courage, we need to resist the forces that manipulate death. That is when death is an enemy. Needing to be overcome. Death can be a friend to the sufferer, a gentle release at the as execution. And this is the greater than. This is the greater love we cannot give ourselves. But it must be done for us by God in Christ. This is the greater than that opens a greater life to us. Greater than we can even begin to imagine. A peace greater than we can understand. God is greater than us, and so I praise God. In Christ, God means to be greater than and equal to us, so we may surpass our former lives and be found in Christ. Amen. Amen.